0: Good. You know, we've been talking about the love of God. Uh, I'm going to finish that this week. It's not that we could ever really finish teaching that. We could go teaching on the love of God forever, like the song we sang this morning, It's Measureless. You know, we can never fully understand everything. Uh, But I want to go back to the scripture that we started this whole thing off with. In Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, out of the Passion Translation, read this way. Because they were trying to trap Jesus up. And they said, here in verse 36, they said, "Well, t- Teacher, which commandment of the, in the law is the greatest? And Jesus answered, Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. The second is like it in importance. You must love your friend. King James Version says neighbor, uh, which is really what it means. So human, actually, if you really take it all the way back, it just means mankind. He said, you must love your friend in the same way you love yourself. Contained within these commandments to love, you will find all the meaning of the law and the prophets. They're looking for the law. They want to know, okay, which of these 600 and some things do we just need to go through and tick off, and which one's greatest? And Jesus tells them, the greatest is the one that says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your passion, everything. He said, but then it goes a step further. And he said, the second one, which is, kinda, which is like it, is you've got to love the people around you as much as you love yourself. But the problem is, a lot of times, people just don't know how to love themselves. And you can usually tell how much love someone has for themselves by the way they treat people around them. And the whole point of this whole series has been to go back and to look at how much God loves us because we can never really love God the way that we're supposed to love God until we first understand how much He loves us. And until you learn to love yourself the way God loves you, you'll never be able to really love others. Now, I'm, of that, in verse thirty-nine, there again, he said, "Your friend." I want to read this to you out of Thayer's dictionary. It says, uh, or "Lexicon." It says, "One who is close, a neighbor according to Christ, any other man, irrespective of nation or religion, with whom we live, or whom we have a chance to meet." That's what that word means. We, we, we hear friend, we hear uh, 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 neighbor, but it means any other person regardless <laughs> of nation or religion. See, God gives us the instruction here that we've got to love others the same way that we love ourselves. But like I said, a lot of people don't know how to love themselves. Well, you don't know what I've done, you don't know where I've been, you don't know what I've gone through, you don't know the things I've done with my life, and you don't know what... You, you, Anybody got stories like that? But the word says that you've got to love yourself. You know that word love there, it means to esteem highly. You've got to esteem yourself highly. It's indicating a direction of will and finding that one's joy in something or someone. So when God says for us to love our neighbor, it means for us to look at mankind with an attitude of joy. I heard Todd White talking here a while back uh, about someone he ran into, and somebody said, oh, you know, kind of go around them, he said, and, and he said, well, that's how you can tell that people don't mean anything to you when you want to run from them rather than run to them. Mm, come on. I wonder sometimes if we don't look ourselves in the mirror and we don't like ourselves, we'd rather walk away from ourselves than really to stand and say, okay, what I mean? L- listen to the rest of this definition. It means to wish well or to do good to. So God's saying love, wish, find joy, and wish well to everyone around you, your neighbor. Everyone, regardless of their religion, regardless of, of their political status, since that seems to be the thing everybody's fighting about right now, uh, regardless of any, any of that mess, love people. Find joy in people. People have to be our joy. They have to be our strength. But the thing is, you have to feel that way about yourself. Now, if you really want to get deep into this word, that word love, here, if you go back into the original Jewish language, it was almost at the time, uh, it was likened to even the word lust. It means to have an inordinate affection for. That's how much God says that we should love people. It should be just kind of weird. That we find ourselves where people are who we want. That we just want to be around. I don't want to be around people. I'm a loner. As long as I can sit in my room and I can lock, uh, sit in my house, I can lock my door and I can sit. And I'll, I'll deal with people when I'm at church and I'll shake hands and I'll put on my fake smile. But what God says, he says, if you really want to love me, then you've got to have just a weird kind of love for somebody else. It's a love that just doesn't get offended easy. It's a love that nobody just, just blows off. He said it's an inordinate affection. Ooh, But I don't love myself that much. So I can't find joy in my own existence. So how am I going to find joy in someone else's existence? Come on. So let me ask yourself, what do you believe about yourself today? We have talked about the love of God for three weeks now. This is the fourth week. What do you really believe about yourself Because I've told you in as many words as I can fit in in three weeks how much God really feels about you. And what God really thinks about you is far greater than you've ever really felt about yourself. He loves you with an inordinate affection. He loves you in a way that you never dreamed possible. So let me ask you, are you lovable? Are you acceptable? Well, I just don't think I am. Then you'll never really be able to treat people any other way. We will only treat people with the amount of love that we have even for ourselves. If you're just down on yourself all the time, guess what? It creates a mentality of being judgmental. If you're judging God's creation, you all know that the word says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So if you see yourself as anything other than wonderfully made, yeah, but I've done this and I've done that, and God's not, he's not talking about Your behaviors and the things you've done. He's talking about who you are. You are glorious to God. You are wonderful to God. And if you can't see yourself that way, you'll never really be able to see others that way. And if you can't see yourself that way, if you can't judge the creation that way, how are you going to judge the Creator? You have to find your value as a person. And only God can give you that value. He determines you. You do not determine your value. (laughs) You see why I can't get that fell off my mind? I've written most of this over the last four weeks about a man I've never met. A friend of mine that I used to to pastor uh, started my mind thinking in this way, but what's kept me going is about a man I've never met. who thinks he's nothing and so he treats his life as nothing because of the faults and the failures of his past he just quit folks that's not you that's not who you are god determines your value genesis chapter 1 we read this our first week genesis chapter 1 verse 26 from the message says this it said god spoke let us make human beings in our image there's nothing you can do to yourself to change your image from God's image (laughs) let us make man in our image and let us make them reflecting our nature you reflect God's nature and for you to live any other way is for you to live a lie he said let us make reflecting God's nature our nature and so they can be responsible for the fish of the sea the birds in the air the cattle and yes earth itself and every animal that moves on the face of the earth God created human beings he created them in, our, in his image. He created them God-like. <laughs> See, this is where we get, we get uncomfortable. Because we're, we're okay saying, okay, I look like God. Okay, I'm made in God's image. But you were made to be exactly like God. Not just to look like him. You were created God-like. Reflecting God's nature. You are the reflection of God's nature. Some of us are trying to look through a broken mirror. He created them, male and female, so see, God looks like a woman too. Come on. You do know his name is El Shaddai. Multi-breasted one. <laughs> okay. It just got dead quiet. <laughs> The God of more than enough. He said he created human beings, he created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female, and God blessed them. Prosper, produce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, for everything that moves on the face of the earth. And verse 31 and God looked over everything he had made. That means mankind. And he said, it is good, so very good. And it was evening and it was morning, day six. So that's what God did. So when God made man, he made humanity. Folks, humanity has not changed. God's purpose for humanity has not changed. He still loves them. They are still God-like. They still reflect His nature. The problem is the enemy has come in and blinded them to who they really are. And they are living out a lie about themselves that is never meant to them to live in. And Wendy, we always live through the, 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 the coloring of that lie. We will always struggle with being accepted ourselves and accepting ourselves. God's idea about creation has never changed. Mankind is still that to God, and he still sees man as good. Got to, got to let that settle in. Yeah, but don't you see what they're doing out there? I, I was talking to Ted before service this morning, and, and I actually went into the restroom and come back out and just to say another word to him. You know, people say, well, this world, it's so sinful, and it's so sinful, and it's so sinful. How many of you know that's not a—let I mean, me rephrase that. I'm not going to say what I started to come out of my mouth. <laughs> Sometimes you got to catch yourself because you're like, that ain't going to go over well. <laughs> well, the world's just full of sin. The world is full of sin. You know what? That just means the world's full of grace. It says where sin does abound, grace does, we forget that, Perry. We're so worried about sin, we forget as much sin as there is, there's even more grace. And I don't care if sin is piled to here, grace is piled to here. You see, that's the way it is. Where sin abounds, grace is much more. So we need to understand that no matter what happens in our life, no matter where we've been and who we've been there with, God still sees you as good. So very, very good. But as long as we keep telling people how awful they are, how terrible they are, then they're never gonna understand their value because we don't really understand our own value. And because we feel about ourselves that we're awful and we feel about ourselves that we're terrible, then we start judging everybody else on the same lens as we see ourselves. First Peter chapter one, God determines your value. He determines you godlike. He determines you reflecting his nature. He determines you very good. First Peter chapter one, verse eighteen says, "Your life is a journey. You must travel with deep consciousness of God. It cost God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-handed life you grew up in. Woo You know how valuable you are. you're you're as valuable as the price that was paid for you. How many of you know there's a difference between a $1,500 rattle trap and a Mercedes? (laughs) A Lamborghini. You're the Lamborghini, folks. You're not the rattle trap. You're the one that's worth the price. And the price tag was on you, cost God everything and he was willing and glad to pay it matter of fact he paid it from the foundation of the world before he ever thought man was ever going to go through it bad he went ahead and paid the price (laughs) he paid with Christ's sacred blood you know he died like an unblemished sacrificial lamb and this was no afterthought God didn't go oh man they blew it what are we going to do now He said, I'm going to put Adam on the earth, and let me tell you, Adam's going to blow it, so lamb, before we ever create the foundation, before we ever create this world, go ahead and pay the price for what they're getting ready to do. Before the foundation of the world. Isn't that what Ephesians says about the lamb? He was slain before the foundation of the world. He said, and he paid with Christ's sacred blood. You know, he died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb. And this was no afterthought. Even though it has only lately, at the end of the ages, become public knowledge, God always knew he was going to do this for you. It's because of this sacrifice, sacrificed Messiah, whom God then raised from the dead and glorified that you trust that you know you have a future with God. The value of a thing is relative to the price worth paying for it. And you are worth everything. You are you worth everything. Your value is not found in your money. Your value is not found in your house. Your value is not found in your car. Your value is not found in how many friends you have. Your value is founded on the fact that God said, I will empty heaven to make sure you never have to leave it. Uh, That (laughs) You're not things. You're his. And if we learn to love ourselves this much, Imagine what that would do to your mentality to walk around always knowing how much God loves you. Walk around always settled in this fact. No matter what comes, no matter what goes, God loves me. I didn't say he's thrilled with every action I do. I didn't say he's thrilled with every decision I make. But no matter where I go, even when I'm making bad choices in the middle of it, He still loves me. And when we understand that, then you'll be able to love others because then you're never really offended. See, the problem with a lot of us is we're so offended at ourselves that we're offended by everybody else. Come over here and try this again. These twins will get it. We can't be so offended. All the time. Here, That's the problem that the church world has created, Steve. We've been offended at the world for all these years for just walking around with their eyes blinded rather than taking our time to help remove the blinds. And so we've, we've walked around offended. Folks, love is practical. I want to talk to you today just on how to love people. But you got to love yourself first. That's the that's lit. But love is practical. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. This is how we have discovered love's reality. Jesus sacrificed his love, his life for us because of this great love. See, love will cause you to sacrifice. That's why Harvest House exists. Because we've decided to love. This is why we don't sell it. This is why we don't. Put a price on it. We want to give it away. Why? Because love sacrifices. Who? Jesus sacrifices life for us. Because of this great love, we should be willing to lay down our lives for one another. If anyone sees his fellow believer in need, be offended at him. Because you can't believe they did that. I would never. I, I would never. <laughs> I don't know. I'd never do that. Reminds me of a joke I won't tell. (laughs) No, he says, if you see a brother in need or a fellow believer, this means and has the means to help him, yet shows no pity. It says we close our heart against him. How is it even possible that God love, God's love lives in him? So if we're not willing to go out and just love people with this weird. I don't, I don't know this uh, this kind of love that just people look at you strange the kind of love that will drive you to reach out to people and invite them to lunch y'all remember several years ago uh, just a few years ago actually since I've been here that was one of the things. Somebody sent me this article that there's a local satanic temple or whatever here in Cambridge. So what do we do? Let's go protest them. Let's go march up and down the street. See, that's, what the, that's the first thing the church wants to do. Because we're not comfortable in our own relationship with God. And because I don't measure up, I know that person don't measure up. So I sent him a message on Facebook and said, let's go to lunch. Yeah. I can't believe you'd ever go to, do- why would I not? Right. See, we're either going to love people, you see, if anyone sees a fellow, well, he's not a fellow believer, but we already looked at the word neighbor means per- people uh, of, of all, of, of humanity, irregardless of their religion. Who cares about their religion? God still loves them. <laughs> so if I see someone in need and I, and, I, and I don't go out of my way to help, he says, how can God's love even be in my life? God loved me when I was still blowing it. You know what the scripture says? While we were yet sinners, he died for us. <clears throat> verse, where we at, Reese, verse 18? Yeah. Beloved children, our love can't be an abstract theory; we only talk about. So I'm putting, I'm putting, I'm ending today with a challenge to Harvest Christian Fellowship. Our love can't be this abstract theory that we're only talking about. Oh, we love people. Well, we love people until they come in church and they're three sheets to the wind. And then we sit back. Can you believe they'd show up to church that way? Oh, we love people as long as, you know, none of those little funny words slip out of their mouth. And we're like, they can't have, they ain't got no God in them. (laughs) When 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 we finally figure out that we're not the judge in this thing, And it's not our job to judge it. It's just our job to love them. Oh, come on. Our love can't be an abstract. I hope today stretches you. I hope your rubber band just about breaks today. I really want us to come to the point where we're willing to love people. And people say, how in the world can you accept somebody like that in your congregation? Because the love of Christ compels me to do so. Folks, let me tell you, if we really, if we're really going to love people like this, you're going to see a church fill up with people who have no clue what the church is about. And that's okay. Somebody say that. That's okay. Because somebody's got to love them. Somebody's got to do this. He said, so beloved children, our love can't be an abstract theory unless it's just a lot of talk. You know what talk is? It's just a bunch of words. But a way of life, see this kind of love has to be a way of life, demonstrated through our loving deeds. We know that the truth lives within us because we demonstrate love in action. It's love in action, and if there's no action to our love, it's just words, and words doesn't mean anything, which will reassure our hearts in his presence. Put legs on it, folks. We got to love people in a way that they can feel it. That's why Harvest House exists. That's why some of these other things that we do exist, is we got to love people in a way that they can feel it, because you can tell me you love me, I can't feel that. It might be this little fluttery thing (laughs) but that's not what God's about today folks I want want our rubber band to stretch as far as it goes well that's almost sacrilege and that's okay (laughs) how much are you going to love people how much are we really going to go? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 because love is practical. Be Im- imitators of God in everything you do. Ooh, Be imitators of God in everything you do. So how, so many years ago, it, it got on my nerves really bad to see the WWJD bracelets because most people would never do what Jesus did anyhow. <laughs> what would Jesus do? He hung out with publicans and sinners and harlots and prostitutes. Oh, I can't go around people like that. I'm a Christian. (laughs) You're more Christ-like than Christ. Right? You do realize that they talked bad about Jesus. That they talked bad for the people that Jesus hung out with. When's the last time somebody talked about the church for the people that they let in? We've played this thing too safe. <laughs> Let's keep going. Be imitators of God in everything you do. Then you will represent your father as his beloved children, son, beloved sons and daughters. And continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ, for he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleasing to God, like an aroma of adoration and a sweet healing fragrance. If you want to live a life that is pleasing to God, it's going to be a life of extravagant love, a, a love that is so big that people are going to talk about you for doing it. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm telling you, this, 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 we're, we're throwing it down today. We've talked about the love of God, the love of God, and now he's saying we have to love like him. So, how's it going to be? You've got to engage real people. And when you're going to engage real people, it's not just the people that's been saved for 40 or 50 years, and I'm safe around them, and, and they don't challenge me, and they don't argue with me about what I believe, and they believe just like me. And so, well, that doesn't do you any good. You're not helping them. I had a friend who used to come to my church a lot, and uh, this person had no filter, knew nothing about church. The language that would come out of this person's mouth in church would make you, you know how many times I corrected them for it? Why? I was just glad they're there. Because they had no clue. They had no. See, I- I'm telling you folks, if we really want to live up to who I feel that Harvest Christian Fellowship is, a place of love, then get ready to start seeing people that you think I would never hang out with them for a million years. I pastored a church one time. I had two punk bands in this church. And it was was lovely to look back and see an 80-year-old lady in her dress and her purse. And beside her was sitting a kid with a green mohawk that stood up two feet tall. (laughs) And then to watch her love on him and change his life. See, unless we start really doing stuff, folks, it's just a lot of talk. Today is my challenge message as we're getting ready to look at some things next week. But you have to engage real people. And that means not always engaging your Christian buddies. Luke chapter 15. I'm glad Jesus didn't just engage the religious people. Luke chapter 15 verse 1. By this time a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus. I love how the message puts that. doubtful. Re- where, where, where was Jesus? He was around all the people who you would have no be- dealings with. People of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus. And what were they doing? Listening intently. The Pharisees and the religious scholars, the church folks, were not pleased. Not at all pleased. And they growled, he takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. <laughs> Y'all okay? How are you supposed to treat the sinner? Those who are still have their eyes blinded, treat them like Jesus did. Like old friends. Go to lunch. Hang out. I can't be seen with that person. Then you wouldn't have been seen with Jesus because he hung out with those kind of people all the time. Half of his disciples you wouldn't have hung out with. That's right. <laughs> and, and, when, and, and in this story, this leads us to three other stories. In this, he, ta- he starts talking about the woman with the lost coin. Right after this, he starts talking about the woman with the lost coin. See, everybody, we have treated a church in such a way. Y'all okay? We've treated the church in such a way that we expect the lost coin to jump off the floor and back in the owner's pocket. The lost coin had no way of finding itself, it had to be found somebody had to care enough about it to sweep the house completely just to find something that was of value to them. Until we see people that we are willing to get all the other stuff out of our way, anything that would separate us from them so that we can show them how valuable they are, it's just in our way. Then, well, he, first he talked about the lost sheep. The sheep out there doing sheep things. It says he had 99, he lost one. Not one is willing to be lost. Matter of fact, the word says that he is not willing that any should perish. It is not God's will that any should perish. But you got to walk, sometimes you got to walk out from side of the fold. See, we, <laughs> we, we preach this, Perry, as this is Jesus. Jesus is going out and finding that sheep. Well, but guess what? Jesus ain't here. You are. His body's here. The head is seated in heaven. But the body's here. We, maybe it's time that we begin to walk outside of the 99 who's all doing what they're supposed to do and all living, all good. And we go find the one who just needs to come back home. It's not that they're not a sheep. They're a sheep even outside the fold. Gosh! They're a sheep even outside the fold. We just got to bring him back in. Then he tells the story of the lost coin. Then, right after that, he tells them three stories to attack this mindset. Then he tells them about the prodigal son, the only one that came to his own senses. And seeing if we're going to love people like this, it's got to be practical. It's not going to be easy. You're going to get around people who you don't agree with, who you're like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe you live like that way, and I can't believe you do that, and I would never do that, and that's okay, you never would, but you're going to love them even when they're doing it. Uh, Now, again, this is my challenge today. We can clap and cheer. But what's going to happen when you come up on the parking lot and you're walking in church and somebody has this funny smell that's wafting off the back of their hair? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. Or what are you going to do when they're standing right outside the front door doing things that you would never do? Can't believe you. Well they, they have no respect for the church. Nah, maybe we don't have any respect for them. <laughs> Y'all okay? I just have to give you what I got. I'm 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 challenging you today. People of bad reputations hung around Jesus. Maybe some of us need to go looking for some folks of bad reputation just to hang around. (laughs) I can't believe it. Come out from among them and be ye separate. I know all the arguments, Ted. Listen, because they're doing it don't mean you have to. Come on. It's not worshiping like them. Jesus did what he had to do to reach the entirety of the world. Paul said, I become all things to all men that I can win a few. He says, so to the Jews, guess what I'll do? I'll act like a Jew. To the Greeks, I act Greek. Romans, I can act like a Roman. Why am I going to do this? Why am I, you're just not authentic. Come on. See, but if we don't spend time with people, if, we don't, if, if, if they are below us, then we're never going to carry out the message of Christ. Go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 again. I'm almost done. This is how we have discovered love's reality. Jesus sacrificed his life for us because of this great love. We should be willing to lay, we should be, we should be willing to lay down our lives one another if anyone sees a fellow believer in need and has means to help him and yet shows no pity he closes his heart against him how is this even possible that God's love is in him it's easy to sit back and say somebody should do something somebody should really do something well that's their problem not mine and I don't know what to do folks those words are cheap When we, all we have to do, let me tell you, some of the greatest things you can ever do is just love somebody. Just love them. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12, you are always and dearly loved by God. Settle that about yourself right now. You were always loved and dearly loved by God. So robe yourselves in the virtues of God. And since you have been divinely chosen to be holy, look what he says, be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. Rather than just cut somebody off and say, well, I just don't understand them. How about we're merciful as we try to understand them? Be compassionate. Show kindness toward all. Be gentle. Be humble. And I love how the Passion puts this next line. unoffendable in your patience with others. Stop being so offended at everybody. Stop being so offended at their sin. It doesn't affect you at all. Everybody breathe. Their sin does not affect you. It's not your job to worry about it. Okay. I'm getting myself in a hole here, Ted. I know I am. (laughs) Unoffendable in your patience with others. Listen to verse 13. Tolerate the weakness in those of the family of faith. Forgiving one another the same way you have been graciously forgiven in Christ. If you find fault with someone, release them. If you find fault in someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. This crazy love I'm talking about, this weird love, this radical love, this is what mature Christianity looks like. It's not offended. It's not upset because somebody got another tattoo. (coughs) Or somebody pierced their ears or somebody cut their hair or somebody's not wearing what you would ever, I would never let my, my kid wear that. Quit being so offended. Well, they got themselves into that mess. Let him get them out. I'm sure glad Jesus didn't think like that. Matter of fact, Jesus said, they're going to get themselves in a mess, and I'm going to make a way out before they even get there. Well, I'm not going to be around those type of people. I don't want people to see me hanging out with that type of person. That's the type of people Jesus partied with. <laughs> Folks, I I, this is my goal. Last scripture right here. This is our goal. 1 John chapter 4. Anyone can say I love God, yet have hatred toward another believer that makes him a phony Because if you don't love a person, a brother or sister, who you can see, how can you truly love God who you can't see? For he has given this command, whoever loves God must, everybody say must, must must also demonstrate love for others. There was a man on the road, took a bad path, he was jumped, he was beaten, he was naked and left for dead. A priest come by, sees him on the road, crosses to the other side of the road. A Levite comes by, one of the priest's assistants comes by, looks at the man laying bleeding on the road, and crosses the road. See religion will never let you get involved in somebody else's mess. See this is the condition we see of people every day. They're hurting. Then here comes a guy who's a stranger, and he sees him, and he gets down off his animal, and he binds, he cleans him up, he pours oil on his wounds, he bandages him up, he puts him on his own ride, and he takes him back to make sure that he has everything he needs. this is the story of a good samaritan this has to be the story of harvest christian fellowship where we meet people where they are even covered in blood and filth and dirt and nasty and and we let compassion be our full motivation that we bandage the wounds of those who are hurting that we pour the oil of gladness that healing balm into their wounds and then we bring them to a place that's safe where they can be ministered to until they are fully recovered. And if we can't be that, all we can do is just pat ourselves on the back and think we've done something good because Ron sings a great song and Brent can stand up for 40 minutes or D plays a good piano or Jody gives a good word and that's all fine and good. But if it doesn't go past that, we're coming up short folks. So I say, feel the church. feel it with everybody. <laughs> go ahead, with everybody that you think I would never hang out with them, go feel it. I don't even think they should be in church. Fill them up. Well, they're not believers, we don't care. We're going to love them no matter what. This. Is why I wanted to close today with this message. Those six foot letters down here at the bottom of the hill have to mean something, or it's just a pretty decoration for somebody to take an engagement picture in front of. Amen. And the reason I say that, is because somebody did. Love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life, Lord. I I I'd ask that today that we love ourselves this much, but Lord, change us. Mold us, make us into your image. Make us the person you want us to be, that we will forever change ourselves. Father, today I pray that you have stretched our band so tight that we feel like we're, I I pray that this message stretches us hard, Lord. But let us walk into this place with a different kind of love, an inordinate affection for the world, because we know we have the good news. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Prayer team is kind of on their way up. If you need prayer for anything today, these guys want to pray with you. They're going to bless you. Also, don't forget Harvest House Truck this weekend. But if you need prayer, I've got a group of people coming right now to pray with you. You're blessed whether you like it or not, so you may as well enjoy it.